Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. So let's take a look at Scripture today. This series is titled, Let There Be Light. And I'd like to begin by asking a question. Don't answer out loud, just self-assess. But the question is this, why is light such an overwhelming theme during the Christmas season? Have you ever asked yourself, why? Why Why all of this emphasis on light? Think about it. Christmas lights are represented everywhere. Prior to this wonderful observance, this event, celebrating our Lord's birthday, even though that's not really officially the day He was born, but it's what we have set on man's calendar to observe and to remember and to honor. But from the farmlands to urban living, Christmas lights are displayed with pride. The decoration of trees and homes, places of business are all arrayed with what? Lights. Christmas tree lightings are observed by local communities, cities, our nation, and even around the world where they observe and practice Christianity. Whether people realize it or not, the emphasis of light during the Christmas season, it really boils down to one word, declaration. All of the array of lights is a declaration to God Himself, who Scripture says is light. The Apostle John, he references this in the text we'll be looking at today, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Bring your Bibles to church. I'm thrilled to see people turning now. We not only want to hear the Word, but we need to be instant in season and out of season. Scripture reads, I'm reading from the New King James Version. This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you. That God is light. Everybody say, God is light. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. So it's evident here, what is John emphasizing? He's emphasizing light. That God is light. And proclaiming what? That the God of all light outshines all other lights. And that's why we observe. We are giving and and unifying. We're embracing the declaration John has made here by displaying. It should be 24-7, 365 days. Amen? But especially during this season, we are bonding with, we're agreeing with, we're embracing this declaration that God is light. Now, where did John receive this from? This message, this declaration that he declares, he says it's not his own, but he received it directly from who? Jesus, as one of the twelve that walked with the Lord. And this manifestation, this miracle, it all began 2,000 years ago with the appearance of light. Do you know light is crucial? Light is crucial in every aspect of of living. Do you know in Alaska they give away vouchers, government-paid vacation vouchers, so that during the dark seasons, when the light never comes for an extended period of time, people can leave that place and go to a sunny state or a sunny location. Why? Because they have found in the state of Alaska 
during the dark season that there is an increase of suicides. It has a mental, a solical impact on a person's life. And if people don't realize where it comes from, then many, unfortunately, give way to that depression, that spirit of heaviness, that darkness, that cloud that seems to hover, and then even taking things into their own hands by doing something extreme. Light is crucial. That's why everything God does centers and focuses around what? Light. Which is why we'll begin this morning, and I want everyone to take notes, by looking at first the origin, the origin. Sometimes people say, well, when did light come into existence? Well, light as it applies to God is eternal because God is light. That means light is the same as God, has no beginning, has no end. Just like there are three heavens taught in Scripture, the atmospheric heaven, the solar systems, the interplanetary heavens, and then there's heaven, God's throne. Heaven, the third heaven that Paul references in his epistles is the throne of God. That had no beginning, no end as well. But the first heaven, the atmosphere, and the second heaven, the interplanetary solar systems, had a beginning. God spoke them into existence, but God's throne doesn't. So when it comes to this earth and the impact that light has on this planet that God has placed us on, unlike any other planet in the entire region, the entire area, the entire solar systems, God has a special design. So light did have a beginning when it comes to the earth. Turn with me to to Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. Because in order to understand light, you have to understand darkness. Right? The Apostle John writing in the book of Revelation, he says this, And a war broke out in heaven. How many of you were aware that a war transpired in heaven, God's throne? A war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought, against, fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, speaking of Satan, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to where? the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, this heavenly conflict had a catastrophic effect on the earth. Prior to that, everything, as far as it applies to heaven, Lucifer, who became the devil, his name actually translated means son of the morning, which implies what? That Lucifer, before he became the devil, Satan, was a radiator of light, God's light. There's no need of a sun in heaven because the glory of God fills the entire celestial being area. Amen? And so Lucifer, before the fall, his name meaning son of the morning, a radiator of light, was also an archangel. An archangel that theologians bring out in Scripture references where he was in charge of all of the worship of heaven. That's why, have you ever asked yourself why music throughout all of the ages of the history of this planet has always been so influential for good 
but also for evil. Think of some of the bands, some of the acts, some of the musicians who have had such a negative impact. If you take and you look at the temptation of Christ when he was led into the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry, the last temptation was really what Satan was after all along. Bow down and worship me, and I will give you all of this. There is a degree because of what Adam sacrificed, not even sacrificed, what he handed over in the garden. There is a degree of authority that the kingdom of darkness has. And so when people will sell their soul to the devil, maybe not with those exact words, but what Jesus tempted What Satan tempted Jesus with, he brings also to that which is created in the image of Jesus. The image of God, because Jesus is God. Somebody say amen. Amen. When people do that, for a fleeting moment, which Isaiah says this lifetime is but a vapor. How many of you who are up in years like myself, you, you can't fathom where did the time go? It's like I blinked and all of a sudden here I am. In our minds, we maintain our youthfulness, but our bodies can't keep up with our minds once we reach this side of the spectrum. And and, and so people, for a fleeting moment, who will sacrifice, lay it down, compromise multiple Christian ethics and, and principles and observances and commands in order to capture, you know, that success. We see that all through Scripture, and it originally began, it originated with Lucifer. He wanted God's throne. Rather than be a worshiper, he wanted to be the worshipped. And that's why this war broke out. He influenced, he seduced one-third of all of the heavenly host. Angelic beings into believing that a created being could become the creator. It's not going to happen. There's only one creator. Say that to the person next to you. There's only one creator. Tell them. There's only one creator. And that is Almighty God who manifested himself in human form when he sent Jesus to the earth. Remember Jesus said to Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. That's all part of the mystery of the Trinity. People just can't figure it out. Well, if you were God, you'd understand more clearly. But there are certain things we just accept by faith. We were saved how? By faith. We walk how? By faith. Faith calls those things which are not as though they are. We see it before it happens by faith. And so here when we look at, at this war that transpired, the creation Lucifer and one-third of the angels, were they were duped. They were spellbound by their own lies. Isn't it astounding when you try to withstand Almighty God? Probably the Lord, when this happened, He just stretched a little. Now, obviously, I'm self-imposing. But, but there's room to expand on this. And then the Word says, with a blast of His nostrils. Maybe a sneeze. For those hockey players out there, maybe one of those encounters. But with a blast 
of his nostrils. It was done. And Scripture says he was cast down to the earth. Thus bringing darkness. Satan who was once as Lucifer, a radiator of light, now he became the devil, the prince of darkness, the antithesis of God. Some people say, well, if God is good and he's forgiving, why can't the devil be saved? Because the devil and all of the angels were never created in God's image. They're spiritual beings, but nowhere in Scripture does it teach they were created in the image of God for the purposes of God to be the bride of his son. Angels are created to worship and to fulfill the will of God. But they're not created in the image of God. You'll not find that anywhere in Scripture. That's why there's no grace for angels. Angels can still fall. Theologians bring out that it still does happen at different times. People have tried to mystify and say every time you see a falling star, that's an angel. Maybe, maybe not. The Bible doesn't really teach that. But it does show that angels can still fall. So the Bible says that the entire angelic host is without number. Now, that means you can't put a number on how large. As far as you go with a number, even exceeding our national debt, which is extremely high. Somebody say, Amen. It's greater than that. So what's one-third of infinity? It's still infinity. And these fallen angels now have become demonic spirits, disembodied spirits, dark angels. The word angel in the Greek means messenger. So they do the bidding of their king, their prince, in the kingdom of darkness, Satan. Look at what Genesis 1-2 says. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on, the face, was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, this scripture is important because it shows us before the fall, before the war in heaven, God created the earth. The earth was without form. In fact, Genesis 1.1 says, And God created the heavens and the earth. That's the first verse. Then verse 2 starts and says, The earth was without form. Some of you may have heard of a theological term called the gap theory. The gap theory is this. And it's based upon the actual transcription of the Hebrew. Because when it says in Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth. And then in verse 2 when it says the earth was, circle in your Bibles the word was. The word was is also translated as a transitionary word from the Hebrew. It's translated as became. Suggesting going from one state to another. Transitioning. Says the earth was or became without form and void. So it's brought out by scholars that what was this event, which they call the gap theory, what was this event that caused the earth to go from its creation, then all of a sudden something happens. This is before Adam and Eve. And then all of a sudden, 
the earth transitions to darkness, void, nothing, no life existing on the face of this planet. And that's where they bring out that in Isaiah chapter 14, which also references Revelation 12, the war in heaven. That's when Lucifer and his angels rebelled against God. And as soon as they were expelled from heaven, as soon as their feet touched the dirt of this earth with which God created man from, this earth then went from a condition of life to death. Which is why some scholars also reference that this is what took the world into the condition referred to in history as the Ice Age. All of this pre-Adamic. And then what transpired when God, in Genesis 1-3, you have verse 1, the earth is created. Verse 2, it's in the fallen condition. And then what was the first thing that God did after all of this happened? Verse 3 says in Genesis 1 that God said, let there be light, and there was light. God was restoring the earth from this fallen condition, and from that verse forward was when God then began to place the vegetation, the creeping things, the animal life, the birds that fill the air, the fish that fill the, fill the salt and fresh waters, and then finally... His greatest creation is when he made man in his image. And, and, and it's interesting. I brought this out before. But do you know, God spoke every other part of creation into existence. And God said, and it happened. But when it came to the creation of man, it doesn't say God spoke man into existence. It says God fashioned man with his own hands. Something he did not do for any other part of creation, but for man, and then even woman who was taken from the side of man, the rib of man, both were fashioned in his image. No wonder the attack of Lucifer against that which is most precious in the eyes of God. So when God spoke and he created light, his word penetrated the darkness with light. So here's, here's a question. Some people ask this, and I don't think they've ever settled on the answer, but there is an answer. Why did God call light good? I mean, all the time we, we say phrases, God is good, and people will respond all the time. Then they'll say all the time, and we'll respond, God is good. But if we're not careful, that can be reduced to a phrase without really understanding its meaning and its purpose. It says in Genesis 1-4, and God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light, light from the darkness. The Hebrew word used for light there is defined this way, to reflect the lightness of something. So what does that tell us? When God saw light, he saw a part, not his fullness, but he saw a part of himself. Why? Because he's light. Now this is important to understand because all of this is the origin and why God the Father did what he did with the whole miracle of Christmas coming into place, into position, so when the time was right, then God's plan could be furthered and then his redemption could be extended to the four corners of this earth that would last throughout eternity. But before we get to that understanding and to that blessing and the fulfillment of that promise, we have to understand all of the underworkings, or it just becomes a holiday. And he is more than a holiday. Someone say amen. 
He is more than deck the halls. It's a redemption story. So when God created light, he saw himself. That's why he said it was good. God is good, and that's why light is good. God saw a part of his likeness, his goodness, his history in light. So the fall of Satan, Lucifer, brought darkness to the earth. But it also caused the outage. Outage of what? Light. Until the fall of Lucifer, darkness could not access God's creation. That's a fact. Light will always defeat the darkness. We see this in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as, though, just as through one man sin entered the world. Who was that? The first Adam. Adam himself. Jesus referenced as the second Adam. Just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Now, no one had a chance to sin for the first time as far as the absence of any sin. After Adam, Adam was the first created being, and Eve, that was born without sin and then could be contaminated by sin because of a bad choice, a disobedient choice. So what does it mean when Paul says that death spread to all men because all sinned? It says this, it means this, from Adam on, sin became a part of man's DNA. Sin is in our DNA. That's easy to understand when you, when, when you see all of the emphasis on genetics now. DNA testing, you know, to see your family lineage, to see where you may have come from, your origin, you know, of ethnicity. You know, people have their genetics run when they're searching to make sure there's no potential life-threatening diseases. Genetics are huge in the scientific industry, and there's nothing wrong with it. But when Adam and then Eve, when Eve and then Adam sinned, sin entered the DNA, the genetics, not only of Adam and Eve, but everything they had authority over. That means the dirt became infected. That means the trees. Why do you think there would have been no fall seasons? There would have been no dying of trees and then the leaves fall, they're barren, and they come back to life again. There would not be the infestation of insects that can destroy crops. There would have been no weeds. In fact, when we look in a moment at the results of the curse, we're going to see how all of that transpired because of sin. Because of disobedience. But prior to that, there was no death, there was no sickness, there was no disease, there were no weeds, there was no insects infestation, nothing. It was a perfect, pure environment. That means the colors were that much brighter than what they are now. The music was that much more perfected than what it is now. Everything on this earth has been tainted by sin. That's why when we step into heaven one day, before this earth is eventually restored by Jesus himself, when we step into heaven, we're going to be astounded by the colors we see. Colors that go beyond anything we've ever observed. The music, there will be notes inside of the notes. 
We hear wonderful compositions this side of heaven. But once in his presence, there will be a creative juice that will flow in those gifted and serving that purpose even in heaven. That's right. There will be people who are called to worship in heaven. We're all worshipers, but there will be just like the Levites were called to lead Israel in worship. There will be those of the orchestra of heaven. Hallelujah. I'd like to get in on that. I'd like to be in the percussion section. That's my love, percussion. But everything is different now because of the fall. Why? Because God gave man dominion over the earth. And when he sinned, there was a part of that he surrendered over to Satan. That's why we see this inroad. Sin became the pathway or the inroad into all of creation. It changed everything until Jesus eventually came to reverse the curse. That's why you can think of it this way. People sin because they're born that way. Have you ever heard people say, well, alcoholism is genetic? Well, it is in spiritual genetics. It absolutely is. But once the spiritual curse is broken, I once was blind, but now I see. Is that making sense? Committing sin doesn't make someone a sinner. What do you mean? People are born sinners, even from their inception in their mother's womb. Sin is already there. David affirms this in Psalm 51, verse 5, where he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. He wasn't saying his mother or father had an adulterous affair, a sexual relationship outside of the bonds of marriage. He was reaffirming that we are born in sin. Let's look at the rest of it. I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. David is saying that within the very seed of every man, there's sin. It's there. That's why the virgin birth was necessary. Had he been born from a righteous man who lived a righteous life, kept every aspect of the law, there would still have been sin in that earthly righteous father. Joseph, his earthly guardian father, as righteous as he was, Scripture says that, there was sin within him. Mary, there are organizations that deify Mary. She is not God. She is not deity. She was a normal young teenage girl at that time, just like would be in our modern day and age. A devout follower of Jehovah, loved God, but she was not and is not deity. Nowhere in Scripture does it command us to pray to Mary to get to Jesus. We pray through Jesus to communicate with our Heavenly Father. So as righteous as she was, there was sin within her. So what then did Mary serve? What purpose? Not only in raising Jesus in the ways of God, which was extremely important, but during that nine-month pregnancy... What purpose did she serve? And I analogize it this way. She was the nest that held the egg of God. The nest was only a resting place. But it wasn't Mary's egg. It wasn't Joseph's sperm that brought about this miraculous conception. Neither played a part. God supernaturally. How many believe God is supernatural? God supernaturally spoke 
Think of it this way. Mary was the first surrogate mother. That makes sense, doesn't it? So many people in the world, they, they can't figure it out. Well, it can't be true. Well, we are so beneath the level and the intellect of Almighty God. And so she became the first surrogate mother to hold the egg of God until it was time for Jesus to come forth at the appointed hour. Is this making sense? But when you leave Jesus out, when you leave God out, when you try to live by your own ingenuity, your own intellect, your own understanding, which Scripture says in Isaiah is foolishness unto God, when you do that, it opens the door for hell to have its way. And this is why even as you look around us now, the world is in such a mess. The absence of light, the darkness, the outage. Once all of that transpired, you'll find that everything and all of this is connected to the outcome. Sin has a curse attached to it. It does. Genesis 3, 16 through 19. After Adam and Eve had disobeyed God, God had a little talk with them. And look at what he lays out, the consequence of just that one choice. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was not an evil tree. It was God's tree. Doesn't say it was an apple. It was just forbidden to man, not to God, but to man, a forbidden fruit. In fact, theologians bring out, Scripture brings out, this was the first reference in the entire Word of God to tithing. And how when people refuse to tithe, and they take that tithe money for their budgets, for their own personal gain. They begin to rationalize and say, that's just man-made. It was made up. It's not really a part, especially in the new covenant, a part of grace. They are touching the forbidden fruit, the tithe that belongs to God. And just as eating of that forbidden fruit brought death and sin to Adam and Eve, if we touch what belongs to God, Eventually, maybe not right away, but eventually it's going to play out and it's going to bring death into different aspects of our life, including our finances down the road. And so when you look at this, Genesis 3, 16 through 19, look at the talk that God has with Adam and Eve. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. That means before the fall... If she had conceived, can you ladies imagine having no pain in childbirth? Somebody say amen if you're a female. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake, weeds the tilling of the soil. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Verse 18. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. That means before the fall there was no need for roundup. Oh, a life without roundup. I can just envision that. And you shall eat, and you shall eat the herb of the field. Verse 19. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. 
So right there, God, before any of this, was manifesting itself throughout creation. God says, this curse has affected all of humanity, a curse that you brought on Adam and Eve. It's affected humanity, the earth, and every living thing, and even the atmosphere. Everything has been tainted. Creation, think of it this way, because of the fall, creation had become vulnerable. A loss of light removes safety and protection, leaving people susceptible to the real enemy of their souls. People are not our enemies. Satan, who motivates and influences people, he is the one behind every sort of evil you can imagine and even those things beyond your imagination. Think of it this way. Sin will leave you blind. You've heard me say many times, sin will make you stupid. I watch the news, and I'm reminded of Forrest Gump. Stupid is as stupid does. I hear politicians calling black white and white black when it comes to truth. I, I, I hear for a vote for the pushing of personal agendas, whether in the political arena or just in life. We can rationalize anything. It doesn't mean it's right. It just means we're deceiving ourselves. We're blind. What happens when you're blind? You can't see where you're walking. You can't see the obstacles. You can't see what you're about to step into. That way there's no preparation that can be made. All of this which is happening in the Middle East, which is this prophetic scripture coming to fruition, coming to pass. And when you hear the narratives there, the calling of Jews Nazi, when they were the greatest victim during the whole Second World War of the Nazi movement. Sin makes you stupid. It blinds you to the truth. Look at what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 19. The way of the wicked is like darkness. There's that emphasis again. They do not know what makes them stumble. That means when it goes awry, I can't understand how this happened. Well, if you allow the Lord to open your eyes by opening your heart to Him, He will bring His wisdom. He will bring His direction. He will bring His instruction. Whether it's the choice of a doctor, whether it's an investment of, of, of your resources, Whatever it may be, God will give you precise direction. There's no reason for any of us to be impoverished and to be destitute if we're allowing God to direct our steps. We may never become wealthy, but we do not have to become needy and destitute. Why? Because my God, my God will supply all of your needs, whether it's health, whether it's finance. Whatever it may be, relational. I remember it seemed like I was waiting on my spouse, the wife God had chosen for me, forever and ever. Amen. And I thought it would never come to pass. I thought I was going to be the last of the Mohicans, the last of all of my cousins that would never marry. Well, I was the last one to get married, but let me assure you, it was worth the wait. Hallelujah. I just give God praise for that miracle right there. When you place your life, your resources, everything you have in his hands, and just be faithful. Jesus said, don't take thought about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. If you just honor him. I mean, honoring him is, is, is pretty simple. He gives us a list of do's and don'ts. 
do this, don't do that. When we just follow his commands, when we love him and we're faithful, even if it's beyond our ability to supply, God will supernaturally bring direction or provision because that's just who he is. But when you give way to the darkness, darkness clouds people's thinking, clouds their judgments, clouds their perspectives. Unless someone turns up the light, and that's where you and I come into play, and that's what happened in that stable 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which, by the way, I was at Bethlehem when we were in Israel. We toured all through the Gaza Strip. I was in Nazareth. I, I, I was in Jaffa. That was the port where Jonah set out from. Instead of going to Nineveh, he chose to go to Tarshish. And we know how that played out for him until he got things right on track with Almighty God. And, and so we were down there. We were in Bethlehem. And, Bethlehem. and this stable he was born in was not some elegant, you know, stable. You know, now in the day and age we live in for horses and livestock. So, some of the farmers and the breeders and, the, and, and different individuals, they have heated stalls. You go in there, my goodness, they, they have water that automatically deposits, refreshes for the drinking of all of the livestock. It wasn't like that. It was primitive. It was a carving. It was actually, they had carved, chipped away at stone, cliff rocks on the side of the mountain and built a cave. And that's where the shepherd with their flocks would go in. So there was nothing elaborate. But that's where God the Father said was the best place best place for the Savior of mankind to be born. He identified in every way like us. He died for the poor and the destitute as well as the up and outers, the rich and the wealthy. God is faithful. But again, when you pursue the darkness and you're in the midst of it, everything becomes distorted. And unless someone turns up the light, people will continue to stumble. That's why you, you, you need to give your faith away. All of us. Those of you watching online, give your faith away. Turn up the light. Don't be ashamed to pray when you go out for dinner. Don't be ashamed to walk away from conversations that, 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 that really are, are a Jewish term, unkosher, unchristlike, ungodly. Don't be afraid to walk away from them. Don't stand there and endure it. Because our silence is an act of, of acceptance. But walk away, not with being very pudge and prideful. But just turn, walk, busy yourself. And if someone asks you, did that bother you? Then stand up, yes, it did. But I'm not here to judge you. But for me, that's not something that I desire to be a part of. I love the Lord. And anything that grieves Him, grieves me. I led so many people to the Lord when I was working construction. Before I was, call, I was called to ministry, just didn't know it. And I, I was working on the side of skyscrapers. I was a steeplejack. And, and, I, and I worked with a lot of rough fellas. And they all knew I loved the Lord. And I never pushed it down their, 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 their esophagus. I never force-fed them anything from the gospel. But they would ask me. And I gave them Jesus. Many I led to the Lord right there on construction sites. Others, well, it's for you. It's not for me. It's fine. It's your choice. Your choice. But what I was doing was turning up the light. It was never God's will for people to be trapped in darkness. Do you believe that? Do you think God wants people to be enslaved to every type of sin, every type of atrocity, 
It was never God's desire. God didn't put Adam and Eve in a prison when he created them. He put them in a utopia, a garden that was sinless. It's beyond what any of us could hope for in this lifetime. So God, it was never his will for people to be trapped in darkness. 2,000 years ago is when God said, let there be light, the miracle of this whole time of the Lord sending his son from heaven to earth. 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, God changed history. How? With the appearance of light. It's time to be God's voice and declare, let there be light. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.